So this time of year, it's a familiar question as folks are graduating, uh, either high school or college. It's, what are you doing next? What's your plan? And closely related to that is, uh, we ask this inane question, some, uh, it, really, when you think about it, to 18-year-old students, boys and girls, we say, what's your major? As if at 18, you know what you're going to do with the rest of your life, right? <clears throat> we ask, what's your major? What's your, what are you going to focus on? What are you going to concentrate on in college? You know, I had a, 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 the first dean of students that I had at Emory University. I worked as a resident advisor, so I worked closely with her. And uh, she told me one time something that, that really set me at ease. She said, you, you need to choose a major. Everybody does. Uh, but you need to understand that the important thing is to, to get college done, is to learn how to think. It's not so much what that major is going to be, because most likely you won't go into a job where you use it anyway. <laughs> and so like, I'm like, well, why am I paying you all, all that money to be here? But I understood what she was saying. She was right on. I, I very much use my college degree. My majors were uh, political science and economics at Emory. Uh, I used them, not so much the major, but the way that they taught me how to read and to think critically, I use today. You know, I did some research thinking about this and uh, found out this interesting statistic. Uh, Of the college graduates who are employed, only 27%, according to this survey, only 27% are employed in careers that are directly related to their major. 27%. 27%. So that means 73% are, are not in jobs that are directly related to the major. So maybe that brings you comfort. Maybe that brings you confidence uh, that you just need to go through and get through uh, college if that's the direction you're going. Or, or if you're not going to college, maybe you're wondering and, and fretting about the plan uh, that you're going on. Listen, life is dynamic, but I would say this to you. You might wonder, why is he talking about this? I would say this to you, I I think, and I'm not talking about academic majors now, I think many of us spend our life majoring on minors. Many of us spend the bulk of our time, the bulk of our energy, lots of our thoughts and our conversations on things that really in the, the big eternal scheme of things really don't matter that much. I think that's what I comes to mind most when I read Jonah too. You remember last week we left Jonah bobbing in the sea, right? He was thrown overboard by the sailors because God had sent this great storm because of his disobedience, his running from God, his fleeing from God. God had sent this great storm and and Jonah's thrown into the sea and, and he's there treading water and then we read at the last verse of chapter one, a great fish that was appointed by God, uh, that was specially created by God. This great fish comes and opens its big mouth and swallows him. Now, I've told you a couple times, I will continue to tell you, I believe Jonah is a true story. Jesus believed it was. You read Matthew 12, you see that. Uh, I believe if God could make this amazing, created, uh, complex world that we have around us, uh, that he could design a special fish, uh, to be an instrument of his discipline. He, that's what he does. But think about for a moment what that must have been like. Yes, Jonah's not having to tread water anymore. Yes, he, he's not doomed to certain death. 
because he could only tread water for so long. But now he's in the belly of a fish. In our passage today, we'll read his head's wrapped in seaweed. You know it's got to smell bad in there. Water sloshing around. You're talking about getting pruned, right? He's in the belly of this fish. And I believe he is not thinking about what his major was in college. I don't think he's thinking about what kind of car he's going to have one day. I, I think he is crucially and critically focused. And what you see in Jonah 2, we pick it up, what you see is this beautiful psalm. It's a prayer. It's Jonah praying to God out of desperation. It is a desperate man's desperate prayer. And I think because he sees with clarity now, I think you can see from his prayer how we ought to pray better. I hope that God doesn't have to give us the equivalent of getting swallowed by a giant fish for us to focus and not major on minors, but to think about the things that really matter and invest, spend the bulk of our life with those thoughts, in those relationships, and constant and continuous prayer to God. So we're going to learn about prayer today through Jonah's prayer. <clears throat> we're going to learn about priorities today by seeing the progression of Jonah uh, through chapter 2. Jonah's progressive prayer is given to us, and I want to show you how it moves. What I mean by progressive, I think you see a journey here. I think you see that the Jonah who goes from chapter 1 through chapter 2 is, is growing. And that I, I will tell you, uh, when you face difficulties, when you face trials, the Bible says this in many places, when you face difficult times, and maybe some of you are in those times right now, that you uh, can have some tremendous maturity. You can grow tremendously through those times if you focus on God. If you seek to learn his lessons through those experiences, you can grow. And you see that in Jonah here. <clears throat> first, the first step in his progressive prayer is he addresses God. He addresses God. This is verses 1 and 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He, he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I have called for help, and you listened to my cry. And you might say, well, yeah, sure. When you pray, you address God. Well, first of all, I want to point out when it's capital L-O-R-D in your Bible translation, it's talking about Yahweh. You remember the, the pagan sailors, the non-Christian sailors had turned uh, to Christians. They started praying to Yahweh, and here he's praying to Yahweh. Too, I want you to notice that he prays in the past tense because this was written later, but he is focused now on God. That's important because it is so easy for us to be focused on ourselves and not on God, especially when things are going well. It is easy to think about how well I've done, how I've worked hard and I have these things and, and what, what with my problems, what I can do about those, how I can fix those. We are by nature man-centered. The fancy words anthropocentric. When I am convinced the more theocentric, the more God-centered we are, and this is a vital byproduct of praying, you can't pray 
necessarily, or it's difficult to pray without being God-centered. He calls on God. His attention has moved from himself to God. Why? Because being focused on himself, doing what he wanted to do, is what got him in the mess to start with. That's why he's in the belly of a fish. Because he was wandering, he disobeyed what God wanted him to do. He, he fled from God. <clears throat> the same thing, I think, perhaps we can understand. The times in our life where we've had the most difficulty, the times in our life where we've gotten the biggest trouble, were times where we weren't focused on God. Prayer absolutely should take us to and focus on God. The second is more subtle, but I believe it is right there. Jonah's a prophet of God, but I think it's probably been a long time since he was honest with God. Being at the point of life and death, being at this point where you find yourself in, in this impossibly hard situation, I think moves Jonah to be honest with God in a way he hadn't been before. And I ask you this. In your prayer life, how honest were your prayers this week with God? Or were they just repetition at meals? Were they just repetition when you said your goodnight prayers? See, it's important for us to, to be focused on God, and it's important for us to, to be honest before Him. And Jonah gets there. And I think it's a great reason for this, this dramatic spiritual growth you see. I, I think all of us need to understand that God knows it all anyway. We need to have honest conversations with him. Laying our lives before him. The good and the bad. He addresses God first. And then he acknowledges God's sovereignty. He acknowledges God's sovereignty in this progressive prayer. Verse 3, you hurled me into the deep. Well, did God? We read chapter 1, it was actually the sailors who threw Jonah off the boat because he asked them to. He said, the only way these seas basically are going to become calm is if you get rid of me. It's my disobedience, it's my fleeing that God is upset about. But here he acknowledges and says here, God, I know it was you that caused the storm. I know it was you that was at work in this. You, he acknowledges his sovereignty. I, I think sometimes the reason our prayers are dishonest or just trite repetition is because we don't think about how amazing it is that God is over all and through all and in all. We, we don't think about that God, even when we can't see him, as it says in Romans 8, 28, he's working all things together for the good of us who love him and are called according to his purpose. What you see here is an acknowledgement. Jonah's saying, I know, God, that it was you that hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. You might lose sight of that. He watched the weather report on the news, you don't understand, perhaps, or remember that God's in charge of the weather all over the globe. He's in charge of all of the systems that are all around us. And if God's in charge of all those things, then 
then he certainly can, can be sovereign. He can be through all and in all and over all in your lives. It's important in our prayers to understand God's power, to understand the possibilities in that power. Sometimes we go into our prayers without understanding and remembering that with God all things are possible. Some of you might feel like you're in an impossible situation right now. One of the great aspects of reading a prayer like this, of reading the many prayers in scriptures, you see that God can be moved, he can be swayed, he can be entreated to move and to work the impossible in our lives, to make a way out where there seems to be no way. He acknowledges God's sovereignty. Third, he accepts God's discipline. He accepts God's discipline. This is important. Verses 4 through 6. He said, I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit. He understands that there is a purpose in all of this. It was to to bring discipline to him, not because God was being vengeful, not because God just wanted to, to push him around. No, he understood that it was out of God's love that he brought discipline. He understood that he deserved it. You know, what's not there in those verses is Jonah rationalizing with God why he disobeyed. What's not there is, is Jonah saying, well, that was unfair. God. What's, what's not there is trying to make up valid excuses, reasons for why he did not do what God wanted him to do. No, he owns his sin. You know what the three hardest words to say are? I have sin. I have sin. If I could tell you one key to greatly empower your prayer life, it would be this. At least every prayer that you pray, at least part of it, be confessing your sins before God. Now, sins come in two flavors. There are sins of omission. You don't do the things God wants you to do. And sins of commission. You do the things that God says are not in your best interest, you shouldn't do. If, I, I, there won't be routine prayers, I think, if we can wrestle with that owning of the sin. It, when we wrestle with and, and we confess it before God, we understand that if we sin, there's discipline. We also understand how greatly blessed we are. You hear that here in this prayer, don't you? He understands that he could have been still in that water and ultimately his life could have been taken from him. But here he is, yes, even in this nasty, stinky, watery stomach of the great fish, but still he's alive and he even more has hope going forward. As you confess your sin, you remember the grace of God as well. And then that's what we see and, and Jonah is focused on he accepts his sin he accepts the discipline but then he asks to be used by God again 
He has to be used by God. Again, he understands God's purpose. God's discipline is not meant to forever banish, to forever punish. His discipline, this experience is meant to get Jonah back in step with the will of God. This experience and our prayer lives are meant for us to get refocused, or us to get back on the track, the plan and purpose God has for each of us. Did you know the Bible says that? That God has a plan and purpose for each of you. And in our prayer lives, I think if, if we learn to invest in focus, it gets us away from spending all our time thinking about the things that really don't matter that much. It gets us focused. He, he asked to be used by God again. This is verses 7 through 9. When my life was ebbing, ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, uh, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. You know, this verse 8 jumped out at me this week a way it hasn't before. I love this verse. Those who cling to worthless idols, basically. The, those who, who focus on the worldly stuff. Those who spend all their time thinking they're masters of their own universe, thinking what they can do and working in their own power, working in their own wisdom. All of those people, they forfeit the grace that could be theirs. They, they ignore this powerful and pleasing and wonderful relationship that could be theirs. This grace that is amazing. This grace that is outrageous. But I, shows you the progression of Jonah, but I with a song of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. When he says sacrifice, he means serve. He is willing to, to be focused on what's important to serve God. Now, Jonah did it in a vocational way. But I'm not saying to you that you need to necessarily pray for God to make you a vocational preacher or minister. I think it's vital that all of us understand we are in ministry whether we get paid for it or not whether we're full-time at it in terms of vocation or not. And God has that great life for us of serving, of loving, of having His values and His priorities because those are the most blessed and productive ways to live. And we each need to come to the point as we pray before God that we say, God, use me. Help me to serve. Direct me in the ways that you want me to witness. Direct me in the ways you want me to minister for you with the gifts you have given me. That's part of every prayer life as well. The typical prayer is what? Me, 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 what I need, need, need. Instead of confessing and being open before God to be directed by God, to be led by God, he understands now he is totally focused on this fact that his salvation could have come from no other place. It had to come from God. He has gotten to the point where he understands that God is God and he is not. And we all have to get there. The sooner we figure that out, the better. He's God and we're not. So Jonah prays this progressive prayer. And you see God's answer. In the last verse of this chapter, God, in verse 10, 
in verse 10 it says this, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah was ready now. Jonah had gone through this process of repentance, of confession. He'd gone through this process of being refocused on the most important priorities. And now he's spit up. A totally different person. And where is he spit up? <laughs> right next to Nineveh. Where are you supposed to go to start with? It's a different man that is regurgitated onto the shore than got on the boat to Tarshish. And in a similar way, God, he, he wants to work in us to turn us, to change us from ugly, self-oriented, selfish people uh, to people that want to be used by God. Again, it's God's eternal purpose to take us from selfishness to service. You know, if I, I think if there was only three verses I could ever quote again, it would be Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. I, I want to read these verses with me and think about what it says, particularly in context with what we're talking about here. <clears throat> For it is by grace you have been saved. It's by grace... Remember, that's unmerited favor. You've been saved through faith. Your part is believing that God is who he says he is. Believing that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is. Understanding and believing that you're a sinner. Believing that you need to confess and repent of that sin and call on the name of the Lord to be saved. Remember, how did Jonah end verse 9? Salvation comes from the Lord. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Without that fish, Jonah would have drowned. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For, and here's the payoff. So oftentimes we try to be good when it's only God who is good, and only as we empty ourselves and focus on Him that He then can be good through us for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us God has a plan and purpose for you each man each woman in this room it is to serve him but that service only comes when we are focused on him when we are honest before him when we are willing to be used by him. So let me ask you these two questions. I want you to wrestle with these questions this week. As you pray this week, maybe they can be the, the source of what you talk to God about. First, are you honest with God? Are you really honest with him when you pray? When you talk to him? And are you focused on your plan or his? What I call majoring in minors is, is being focused on what's here and now and, and what we have as a plan. Instead of being part of the church alive, instead of being part of the people who are in rhythm, who are in step with God's plan for his or her life. You see, are you in plan with, step with his plan or your plan? thought about a song this week. I want to read the lyrics to you. He said, I was in my early 40s 
with a lot of life before me, and a moment came that stopped me on a dime. I spent most of the next days looking at the x-rays, talking about the options, and talking about sweet time. I asked him when it sank in that this might be the real end. How does it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what'd you do? He said, I went skydiving, and I went Rocky Mountain climbing, and I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying, and he said, uh, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. He said, I finally was the husband that most of the time I wasn't. I became a friend a friend would like to have. And all of a sudden, going fishing wasn't such an imposition. And I went three times that year. I lost my dad. I finally read the good book. And I took a good, long, hard look at what I'd do if I could do it all again. And then I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I loved deeper. And I spoke sweeter. And I gave forgiveness. I've been denying me. He said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Like tomorrow was a gift. And you've got eternity to think about what you'd do with it. What could you do with it? What did I do with it? What would I do with it? I don't know about you, but I want to pray deeper. I want to love better. I want to serve greater. It's only at the point of desperation that what matters most comes clear. And I hope it doesn't take getting swallowed by a fish for it to become clear to us. I hope we can learn from Jonah to pray deeper and to love greater, to serve better. Fathers, we think about these things today. It's so easy to to spend our time majoring in minors. Today we confess and we tell you we're not perfect, you know it but we own it. We have a brand new week before us. I pray that you hear a lot from us this week. And that you make your voice, your direction known, that your spirit would lead us in the relationships to focus on, the words to say, the purposes to have. Help us not to waste our lives. Help us to live like we're dying. Because only then do we really live. Thank you, Father, for this day, for this chance to change our direction. Show us how to do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.